On the Pasuk in Parshas Re'eh, Rak Chazak, Levilti Achel Hadom, Ki Adam Hu Nefesh Goimer. Pasuk says, just be strong and don't eat blood. Strengthen yourself so as not to eat blood because the dam, the blood is the nefesh, is the soul. Rashi quotes the beginning of the Pasuk, Rak Chazak, Levilti Achel Hadom, be strong so as not to eat blood. And Rashi explains from the fact that it says Chazak, be strong, we learn that the Yidden were steeped in blood, to eat blood, and therefore the Pasuk needs to warn and say, Chazak, be strong. These are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Then Rashi brings the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, who says that the Pasuk is coming to teach you to what extent we need to strengthen ourselves in mitzvahs. And he says as follows, if blood, which is something that's so easy to stay away from, because a person does not have a temptation for it. And yet the Pasuk is telling you, strengthen yourself and warning you about it. How much more so that you need to be strengthened and warned to be careful in other mitzvahs. Now, what Rashi is coming to explain over here simply is the difficulty in the Pasuk is that why does the Pasuk need to use the term chazak, be strong, which we don't find this expression in other mitzvahs of the Torah. And this is why Rashi brings these explanations from the Sifri, which according to both of these explanations, will understand why in this particular case, the Pasuk is telling us the word Chazak. However, we need to understand, number one, we discussed many times that when Rashi brings two explanations, it's because each one of the explanations have a certain difficulty, which will be understood based on the other explanation. And furthermore, the first explanation will always be closer to Pshuti Shal Mikra, to the simple meaning of the Pasuk. So we need to understand in our case, why does Rashi need to have the two explanations? What is the problem in the first explanation, which will be understood based on the second explanation? And what is the problem with the second explanation, for which reason we need to have the first explanation? Number two, generally, this machloik is between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon ben Azai. It's very, very difficult to understand, especially when we're trying to understand the simple meaning of the psukim. This seems to be what we call an argument in regards to a metzius, an argument in regards to what the facts are. And it's from one extreme to the other. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the Pasuk is warning us chazak because they were steeped in blood. They were so involved in eating blood. That means they were very, very used to eating blood. That's on the one extreme. On the other extreme is Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, who is telling us that for blood itself, they wouldn't even need to be strengthened because it's very, very easy to stay away from it because a person does not have a taiva for it. A person is not tempted to it at all. In other words, these are two extremes. Are they steeped in blood to such an extent that they need to be warned not to have it, or that they completely don't, ha- don't have any desire for it. And clearly this would have been the situation also when they were commanded. This is why they are being told, Rak chazak So clearly this is the situation that's going on right at this current moment. So they seem to be arguing from one extreme to the other. The Rebbe then asks another question. In the words of Rabbi Shimon ben Azay, the Rashi quotes, it says, He says that a person does not have a taiva for it. Now this is very different to the original words that Rabbi Yehuda said, 
which Rabbi Huda used the words that they were stufen bedam, they were steeped in blood. Rabbi Shimon ben Azay doesn't use an opposite expression and saying that a person is not steeped in it. Rather, he uses now a different term that they don't have a taiva for it. So why the difference in the expressions between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon ben Azay? Then the Rebbe asks, so we have another Rashi a little bit further on. On the Pasuk Laman Yitav Loch Rashi says, from here we could learn the tremendous reward for mitzvahs. If blood, which is something that a person is disgusted from it, and yet he gets reward for it, how much more so with other things in regards to other mitzvahs? From that expression it sounds like, from Rashi says over there that a person is disgusted by blood, this sounds like this is true at all times. Now seemingly, this is neither like the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, which says they were steeped in blood. This is definitely the opposite of being disgusted by blood. And even according to Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, who says a person doesn't have tem- a temptation for it, but he doesn't, use the, he doesn't say that a person is absolutely disgusted by it. So again, we need to understand at which stage, where exactly is the person holding? Is it something that he's disgusted by or he just doesn't have a temptation for it and so on? And finally, the Rebbe asks that we know that usually Rashi does not bring the names of the opinions of who is saying which opinion, unless it's somehow going to clarify something in regards to the explanation, at least for a Talmud Mamulach, meaning for a Talmud that's extra clever and has some extra sharp questions. So we need to understand what is being added in our case by telling us that it was Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon ben Azai. And furthermore, the Rebbe asks that this opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai in the Sifri, it actually says it also in the name of Rabban Gamliel. If Rashi would have just said Rabbi Seinu Pirshu without giving a name, that seemingly would have even been better because then you're not limiting it only to Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, that it, it could imply that also Rabban Gamliel says it. Why does Rashi have to specifically emphasize that it is Rabbi Shimon ben Azai? Now, as we just said, Rashi's source is from the Sifri. However, we'll now see that Rashi changes from the words of the Sifri. He both leaves out something that the Sifri says, as well as he adds something. And the Rebbe points out a number of things. Number one, in the Sifri, in the words of Rabbi Yehuda, it says that they were steeped in blood before Matan Torah. Rashi leaves out the words before Matan Torah. Rashi just says they were steeped in blood. In fact, it seems to be going against what the Sifri is saying. This Pasuk is being said 39 years after Matan Torah. What's Rashi telling us? Rashi is telling us that the Torah is saying Chazak because they were steeped in blood. In other words, 39 years after Matan Torah. This is clearly very different to what the Sifri was saying, that they were steeped in blood before Matan Torah. The Rebbe says, actually... If Rashi would have just explained in the simple meaning of our Pasuk, like this of free, saying that it's before Matan Torah, that actually would have helped that now the Machloikas of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon ben Azai wouldn't be arguing about what's happening. Because we would very easily be able to say that Rabbi Shimon ben Azai who said that the Yidin was steeped in blood, that's referring to the time before Matan Torah. Whereas... Where Rabbi Shimon ben Azai is saying that a person is not tempted and doesn't have 
a desire for blood, this is speaking about many, many years later, after Matan Torah, after the Yidin were warned already not to have blood. That seemingly would have made matters much simpler. And yet Rashi um, leaves out these words of Koydamat and Torah, which is implying that right now they were steeped in blood. The Rebbe then points out another difference. Rashi, in the words of Rabbi Yehuda, says that from the fact that it says Chazak, from the fact that it says be strong, we learn that they were steeped in blood, and therefore we have to say Chazak, whereas when you look in the Sifri, it just says it very, very short and simple. Magid, it teaches us, and that they were steeped in blood. And finally, the Rebbe asks another question in the comparison between Rashi and the Sifri. In the words of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, in the Sifri it says that if dud, if in blood, which in all mitzvahs there is nothing lighter than it, the Pasuk is warning you about it, so too in regards to other mitzvahs, etc. Rashi adds, that a person does not have a desire to it. So in the Sifri it just says that it's something very easy. Rashi is the one that adds that a person doesn't have a temptation to it. So the question is, why is Rashi adding those words? Now, even though it's true that you could say that Rashi had a different girsa in the Sifri, nevertheless, this itself would still need further clarification. Why is it that Rashi is choosing the rarer um, version of the Sifri and not the more common version? Because in the actual facts that in our prints, we have the Sifri in this particular version that tells us that this was the girsa, at least in most of the manuscripts of the Sifri, even in the time of Rashi. So why is Rashi using a version of the Sifri which is not as common? Says the Rebbe, the explanation of all of this is, Rashi does not quote in the words of Rabbi Yehuda, the way we have in the Sifri, that they were steeped in blood before Matan Torah. We said Rashi leaves out those words, that it was before Matan Torah. In other words, in the Sifri, it would seem to be that there's a difference before Matan Torah and after Matan Torah. But Rashi leaves out those words because, according to this, would not be understood the following. The warning for not eating blood says in the Torah already quite a number of times. If it's true that they were steeped in blood only before Matan Torah, and that would have been because they were steeped in blood in Mitzrayim, then where should have the Torah been telling the Eden Chazak be strong when they're being warned about not eating blood for the very first time, soon after Matan Torah, soon after the time that they were steeped in blood? Why is it that they're being commanded to be strong, to not eat blood, only in Eilah HaDvarim and Chumash Dvarim, where Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to the Eden at the end of 40 years from leaving Mitzrayim? In fact, that whole generation that left Mitzrayim had passed away already. Why doesn't it say Chazak in the beginning when they were being warned in Parshas Vayikra, in Chumash, in Chumash Vayikra, for eating blood? This is why Rashi adds in the words of Rabbi Yehuda and says that from the fact that it says Chazak, in other words, from the fact that it says over here Chazak, we learn that they were steeped in blood to eat it. That means to say that even right now, 40 years after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, they're still steeped in blood. And that's why this is what the Yidin are being told right over here. Now, why is this not a machloikas b'metzius? Why is this not arguing about a fact that Rabbi Yehuda seems to be saying that they're steeped in blood and Rabbi Shimon ben is saying that a person doesn't even have a taiva for blood? So the Rebbe says 
because it's very possible for a person not to have a taiva for something, not to be tempted to have something. And furthermore, he may even be disgusted by it. And nevertheless, at the same time, he may be steeped and completely involved in eating it because of some other side reason. Maybe he believes that there's some sgula in having it. Maybe that it brings some sort of cure. Maybe because he's used to it. And other similar reasons. The Rebbe says, as we can see this practically, sometimes people have things even if they don't have a taiva for it. So, so too, we could say in our case in regards to the blood, that yes, they were steeped in blood for many, many years after leaving Mitzrayim, which is what Rabbi Huda is saying, even though that it's true, on the other hand, what Rabbi Shimon is saying, that they didn't actually have a taiva for it, or perhaps even furthermore, that they were disgusted by it. However, says the Rebbe, the problem over here, of learning this, that this is the reason why the Torah has to say chazak, for which reason Rashi is going to bring another explanation, is because number one, if in fact the Yidden were steeped in blood all this time, then where should have it said chazak? As we said before, it should have been the first time it's mentioned in Chumash Vayikra about not eating blood. That should have been the main time, just after Matan Torah, they should have been warned right away, be strong and don't eat blood, don't wait till the end of the 40 years. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, most importantly, since the Yidin were already warned a number of times not to eat blood before the 40, 40th year, it doesn't make sense at all to say, it's not logical to say at all, that for during this time of close to 40 years, none of these words and warnings helped, and they were still steeped in blood. And even more so, the Rebbe says, what the difficulty is, that we're speaking now about a time when all the people that left Mitzrayim, which were originally steeped in blood, had passed away already. And now it's their children to say that their children are still steeped in blood at this point, especially when they've heard so many times already being warned from Hashem not to eat the blood. It's very strange to say that they're still steeped in blood all of this time later. This is why Rashi is not satisfied just with this pirush. And he brings a second explanation. The opinion of Reb Shimon ben Azai, That from the fact that it says chazak over here, the reason why it says chazak is not because they were steeped in blood at this point. Rather, it's coming to warn you and teach you to what extent we need to strengthen ourselves in all mitzvahs. That even a mitzvah that's very easy to stay away from. A thing that's very careful, something very easy to be careful with like blood which a person doesn't have a taiva for, and yet we're being so, um, so much given cautions and warnings to strengthen ourselves, how much more so we need to strengthen ourselves in all mitzvahs? And Rashi actually adds the words that we said before doesn't say in the Safri, that a person doesn't even have a taiva for it. Why does Rashi add these words? So the Rebbe explains two points. Number one, since the reason why it's easy to stay away from it is because we don't have a taiva for it. In other words, it's something within the nature of the person that he's just not tempted to it and therefore it's easy. So it's understood that since this is the nature, so then it's understood simply that this would be the case also at this time when they're being commanded at the end of the 40 years because this is just part of the nature of the person. So that's number one. Number two, is so that we shouldn't say that the reason why it's easy to stay away from the blood is because a person is disgusted by it. Rashi specifically says it's just that we don't have a taiva for it, but we shouldn't think that the reason is because a person is disgusted by it. Why not? 
even though, again, it wouldn't necessarily contradict completely the opinion that they were steeped in blood. As said before, a person could be disgusted by something at the same time be steeped in it. But the point is that if that would be the case, then the opinions of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon ben Azai would be much more distant from each other. Meaning to say, Rabbi Yehuda is saying that they are steeped in blood. And Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, if Rashi wouldn't add the words of Mis'ave, that they, that they don't have a taiva for it, we would think that Rabbi Shimon ben Azai means that a person is actually disgusted by it. That means the extreme of these two opinions is much greater. And furthermore, the Rebbe says, this is actually opposite of what we practically see. Meaning to say, Something that a person does not have a taiva for. And he's also being warned many, many times about this. Then certainly, it's easy for him to stay away from it. And therefore, there's no need to say that the only way you can stay away from it is only if you're disgusted by it. Even if you just don't have a taiva for it, and you were warned so many times, then surely you're going to stay away from it. And it's easy to stay away from it. However, Rashi is also not happy and satisfied just with this pirush, and furthermore, he brings this as a second pirush, meaning also that he accepts that this is only second in how much it fits with our pasuk, because since at the end of the day it says chazak in regards to blood, it's very, very difficult to say that the only reason why it says it over here is in order to strengthen ourselves in other mitzvahs, meaning to say we're saying by blood, strengthen yourself in order to teach you how strong you need to be in other mitzvahs. It makes more sense to say that it's the isur, the prohibition of blood itself that needs some sort of strengthening. And this is why Rashi brings the pirush first, that the blood itself is what they need to be warned about because they were steeped in blood. Furthermore, the Rebbe says, from the whole flow of the parsha, it makes much more sense to say that they were actually somehow involved in the blood and they had some sort of taiva for it. Why? In this parsha, it's coming to give the, it's coming to allow the Yidden to have meat, what's called psar taiva, in other words, not only having meat as part of a carbon, but also when they feel like eating meat. Until now, that was usur, and now they're allowed. As the Pasuk says, Kisava nafshachof, you're going to have a desire to eat meat. At any point when you have a desire, you could eat meat, etc. Another Pasuk, you could eat this in your cities, in your gates. According to all of your desires. So when the Pasuk afterwards says, but be strong and don't eat the blood, the implication is in Mikra that here too is because you have a desire to eat it. So we're telling you, for whatever reason, you might have a temptation, but don't have it. So therefore, from the fact that it says Chazak, in other words, from the fact that within the context of this Parsha, it says Chazak, we could learn that they were steeped in blood to eat it, meaning this is also part of their taiva that they had. Whereas, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, that a person does not have a taiva to eat blood, rather it's only coming to teach you how strong you need to be in all mitzvahs. So then the style of this particular warning right over here about the blood, rak, chazak, but be careful not to eat the blood doesn't seem to fit so well with the flow of these psukim where we were speaking about things that you do have a taiva for and how to go about it. And this is why Rashi brings Rabbi Yehuda's opinion first. In other words, this is the one closer to Pshut Mikra because in the flow of the psukim, this sounds much more like the Pasuk is speaking about. You need a special strengthening and a caution about blood. The problem is only, as we said before, how it really fits with the whole story that they are still being steeped in blood all these years later and after, later and after so much warnings, etc.
However, says the Rebbe, a Talmud Mullah, extra smart Talmud could still ask, what is actually the reason why each one of the opinions, meaning Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, holds of that opinion, of that explanation? What is the advantage, in other words, of each explanation? That why Rabbi Yehuda would choose that explanation. If each explanation has its own mile, its own pros and cons, why is Rabbi Yehuda choosing one explanation and Rabbi Shimon choosing the other explanation? And in order to explain this, that's why Rashi actually brings the names of who said what. Because we're going to see now that these explanations that they're giving in this Rashi is going to fit with other things that they say in other places as well. We find regarding Rabbi Yehuda, on the Pasuk, it says, Now one is not allowed to eat nevela, which is an animal that died, that wasn't shechted properly, etc. The Pasuk says, You should give it to the geir, to a convert. Over here, a geir is referring to a geir toish of someone that accepted the Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Noyach. So you can give it to him so he could eat it. Or you could sell it to a nochri, which refers to someone that it does serve Avodah Zorah. Rabbi Yehuda holds on that Pasuk, that the Pasuk is to be taken very, very literally, meaning, since the Pasuk says, you give it to a geir, or sell it to a goy, so he holds that to a geir, you could, you, you could only give it as a gift, as a present, and to a goy, meaning to someone that's over the desert, you could only sell it. This is, he's arguing there in the Gemara on the opinion of Rabbi Meir, who says you could actually give it or sell it to a geir or to a nochri. In other words, what do we see that Rabbi Yehuda's general opinion is? That we try to stick as closely as possible to the simple meaning of the Pasuk. Similarly over here, when we could have two ways of explaining the words rak chazak levilti adam. Are we coming to explain it in regards to blood itself? You need a special caution and strengthening regarding blood. Or are we coming to say that it's teaching you how do you need to deal with all other mitzvahs? Rabbi Yehuda's preference is Dvarim Kiksavim. We try to stick to the meaning of the Pasuk as the Pasuk sounds. That means we're dealing with blood itself. Because blood itself needs some special extra warnings because they were steeped in blood. Now, even though we said there's questions on this pirush, nevertheless, as we said, he sticks more with the style of learning the simple meaning of the Pasuk that we're dealing with what the Pasuk is speaking about. And this is also why Rashi, as we said before, elaborates and says extra words. He says, From the fact that it says the words Chazak, we learn that they needed a special warning and Rashi says again, therefore it needed to say chazak, meaning to say Rashi is saying that according to Rabbi Yehuda, we look at this Pasuk, that the word chazak is being said in the reference and in context of blood, that means this is the main thing that they need the caution for, the chazak for. What about Rabbi Shimon ben Azai? So regarding Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, we find that his inyan is to strengthen us and to encourage us in fulfilling mitzvahs even the very, very light mitzvahs. As he says, a mission in Perkei Yavos, have a rotzle mitzvah kala run to do a light mitzvah, which what it means is not only to a mitzvah kala, of course it means even to a mitzvah kala, even to a little mitzvah. The Rebbe says this is, even according to the girs of the Alter Rebbe, 
In Pirkei Yavos, there's two different versions. Either it says, run to a light mitzvah like a strict mitzvah. The Altarebbe doesn't have those words, like a strict mitzvah, but it still means the same idea. Of course, it means you run to every mitzvah, even to a light mitzvah. And what's the reason? As he finishes off over there, he says, because mitzvah, mitzvah, one mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. And so too, in the opposite by Aveira, what does he say? Run away from an Aveira. Here too, he says the reason, because one Aveira leads to another Aveira. So that's one point that we see about the special encouragement for all mitzvahs and the light mitzvahs. Another thing that we see over here is the idea that fulfilling a light mitzvah brings you to doing all other mitzvahs, even the strictest mitzvahs. And so too, on the opposite side, in regards to the Averos. So exactly the same thing is what he's telling us about Dam. Number one in the command. That we're being commanded to Chazak regarding blood. Meaning to say even though this is something very very light. And something very simple and easy to stay away from. This is similar to what he's telling us in Pirkei Rot, You should run to a mitzvah. Even a mitzvah kali. Even to a small mitzvah. Similar to Chazak. Even regarding Dam. Which is seemingly a very light thing. And so too by the loisas that we said, by every Aveira, that you should be running away from the Aveira. And also, that just like by the blood, that it's going to come and teach you regarding how you, how you have to be so strong and careful regarding to other Aveiros. So it's exactly the same thing is what he tells us in Pirkei Yavos. This is very similar to the idea that he tells us run to do a mitzvah kalo. Why? Because one mitzvah will bring another mitzvah. And one Aveda will lead to another Aveda, that's why you need to run away from an Aveda. This is exactly similar to what he's telling us by the dam, by the blood, that the reason we need to be so careful over here, the Torah tells us, from this we'll learn, it will help us in regards to all other mitzvahs and Avedas, etc. Says the Rebbe, according to all of this, what we see now, what we understand is that generally the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda is that we learn Dvarim Kiksov and we try to stick more to the meaning in the place, in the Posek, staying in the context of the Posek itself. The opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Nazai is that we're looking out for trying to run after mitzvah, it's even a mitzvah kala to be encouraged to be involved, even in a light mitzvah or the opposite, staying away even from the smallest Avera. However, the Rebbe still asks, okay, so this is Rabbi Yehuda clearly says one, and Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shem ben Azai says the other. But how do we actually know that Rabbi Yehuda wouldn't agree with Rabbi Shem ben Azai that we also need to strengthen ourselves in the mitzvahs that are very, very light and simple to be careful of? How do we know that Rabbi Shem ben Azai doesn't hold of the concept of Dvarim Kiksovon that we just try to stick to the simple pshat and the literal meaning of the Pasuk? So the Rebbe says, the Rebbe is going to have a look now at some other Gemorrois where we'll actually see that not only is Rabbi Yehuda of the opinion of Dvorim Kiksovon, but he actually disagrees with that special extra enthusiasm of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai. And we're also going to see how Rabbi Shimon ben Azai doesn't only speak about how careful we need to be in light mitzvahs and so on, but he actually disagrees with the concept of Dvorim Kiksovon that you could just go and... Um, just with a simple pshat of the Pasuk. And the Rebbe explains it in the following way. We have a Gemara at the end of Masech Tabrachos. Tanya, we learned to the Baraisa, Benazai says, One time I followed Rabbi Akiva into the Beis Akisei, into the restroom. And I learned from him three things. 
And he goes on to discuss the different halachas that he learned from Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Yehuda says to him, Ad did you have such chutzpah against your Rebbe going into the bathroom with him? So Rabbi Shimon ben Azai answers, Toirahi, this is Toirah, V'lilmud, I need and I need to learn. What's the argument of here? What's going on? Again, this is the same Rabbi Yehuda and ben Azai, right? So the Rebbe explains it in the following way. Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that even though it's Torah, and even though, yes, you need to learn it, but what's the regular style of Limuda Torah? You ask a question in the Beis HaMedrish. And this is why he, why he says to Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, to this extent you have this sort of audacity, this sort of chutzpah, to go into the bathroom instead of just asking the question of Beis HaMedrish. But was it Rabbi Shimon ben Azai emphasized? No. We need to run, as we said, even to a mitzvah kala, you need to do it with the biggest enthusiasm. And so too, when it comes to clarifying a halacha, that if there's a possibility to actually not only ask a question in the Beis HaMedrash, but actually to see the action, how it's being done, then there's the concept which we call maiserav, that what could be greater than an actual action, an act, when you see something halacha lepoil. This is similar to a Maimar Chazal that says that you don't learn a din, you can't learn a halacha, not from limud, not from someone just teaching something, or not even from Maisa, which means when he goes ahead and tells you what to do, if there is still any room, there could be some sort of doubt, and maybe we don't know the full reason for the, and the logic behind the halacha, until you're actually told halacha or Maisa, go ahead and do this. And this is why he goes after Rabbi Akiva to see what the Anhagu, how he acts, Bapoyal Mamish. So what do we see over here? This sort of idea that he has this enthusiasm to make sure, careful, to be 100% sure about every single mitzvah and every single halacha. Which, by the way, the Rebbe says, well, this is also answered, what the Marsha asks over there. The Marsha says, who forced Rabbi Shemim ben Azai to have this chutzpah um, to go ahead and do what he did to go into the bathroom. Why didn't he just ask this question from his Rebbe? So the Marsha says that of course Rabbi Shimon ben Azai wasn't concerned about halachos, that maybe there's any sort of chashish, isur, things that he knew that maybe there's some sort of isur with it. Of course he, he, he wasn't um, going to ask about those things. In other words, if there's any chashish, isur, of course he's staying away from it. However, what he's saying is that maybe there's some things that I don't even know what to ask about. And therefore, he needs to go in and see what halachas there might be that maybe he didn't even think of. But the Rebbe says, The Rebbe says, I, I didn't merit to understand the Rebbe says. This itself, he could have asked his Rebbe. He could have said, is there anything else to learn? And then he could have learned it from him. Why does he have to go have the chutzpah to go into the restroom with him? But the explanation, as I said before, the shita and the style of Rabbi Shimon ben Nazai is, to do every single matter of Torah and Mitzvahs with tremendous enthusiasm, with tremendous extra strengthening. And therefore, since in a Psaq Halacha there's nothing better than a practical Maisib so he didn't suffice with just asking his Rebbe, but he followed him in to learn from him how things are done, B'Poyal Mamash. Whereas, what does Rabbi Yehuda tell him? You shouldn't have ran. You shouldn't have gone with this tremendous enthusiasm to this extent to have this chutzpah, even though, yes, it's Torah and so on and so forth. It's enough that you'll ask your Rebbe whether there's any halachis, whether there's any dinim connected to the Beis Akisai. 
But again, the, the conduct of Ben Azai was, as we said before, with this enthusiasm. But Rabbi Yehuda says, no, this is considered a chutzpah. So in other words, the bottom line of what we just saw in this whole thing is that while Rabbi Shimon ben Azai is very into this particular style of doing things with extra ischaskos and extra enthusiasm in every aspect of Torah and mitzvahs, what does Rabbi Yehuda tell him? No, we don't go to that extreme. Now the Rebbe looks at the other way around, where we find the idea that Rabbi Shimon ben Azai doesn't agree with Rabbi Yehuda with the concept of Dvorim Kiksavan, of just looking at the Pesukim just in the way they are. So we find like this. There's a Pasuk that says, Ben Azai teaches, on the Pasuk, that we shouldn't allow, we have to kill a Machshefa, someone that's involved in witchcraft. We then have another Pasuk that says, Kol anyone that lies with a behema, with an animal, Mois Yumos, is put to death. Ben Azai says, why are these things put together in the Torah next to each other? It comes to teach you that just like the one lying with the animal gets skilla is stoned, so too the person involved in witchcraft also gets stoned. That's Rabbi Shimon ben Azai's opinion. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda and says, just because two things say next to each other, we're going to stone this person. Rather, Rabbi Yehuda has a different way of learning that he gets skilla. Because we have a Pasuk in regards to an Oiv and a Yidoini. These are specific type of sorcerers, a specific type of witchcraft. And regarding them, it says separately that they get Skila. Now really, they're just part of any sort of witchcraft. Why are they said separately? So this is that we compare to them and say that just like the Oiv and the Yidoini get Skila, so so too the Mechashefa also gets Skila. What's the logic behind this Machlaikas? So the Rebbe says as follows, Ben Azai is the one that darshans, that teaches the concept of smuchim. In all of Torah, we always look at things, why are things next to each other? To the extent that we could even learn a concept of skila, because one parsha is next to another parsha. But Rabbi Yehuda says, just because things are next to each other, could you take someone to skila? Rather, he says, because oiven yidoini, were part of any sort of witchcraft and they were specifically distinguished for skila. we say everyone else in the Kishif also gets skila. In other words, he, say we, he says we need to look at what says clearly in the Pasuk. We need to find the Pasuk specifically about witchcraft associating it with skila. So what do we see over here again? That while Rabbi Yehuda is insisting that we need to see Dafka what says clearly in the Pasuk, Rabbi Shimon ben Azai is going with a different style, a different approach. Even things that are just next to each other is good enough to teach me something. It doesn't have to be explicitly in the Pasuk. The Rebbe concludes the Sikha with Yainashal Torah, with a Pnimius of the idea of what Rashi is teaching us. In regards to the warning about blood, the Pasuk tells us, Ki Adam nefesh, the reason why we're not allowed to eat it is because the blood is the soul. The Mepharshim explained, and even though in the flesh of the animal, in the meat of the animal, there's also the nefesh, nevertheless, there's a difference that in the bosser we say the nefesh is there, it's found there, but regarding the dam, regarding the blood, we say hadam hu nefesh, it is the nefesh. And the Rebbe explains, from every single thing that one eats, so this becomes the dam, bosser, the flesh and blood, and therefore we actually say that the person's nature is based on the food that he just ate. 
Now, when a person eats the meat of a kosher animal, just the meat of the animal, it does not have the same strength of the nefesh, of the nature of the animal. That's number one, because we just said the blood is the nefesh. In the bosser, just found the nefesh. So when you're eating the meat, it doesn't, doesn't have that same strength of the animal, of the nefesh of the animal. And furthermore, the meat first needs to be chewed up and digested, and it change, changes until it becomes part of the person's flesh and blood, and becomes part of the nature of the person, and so on. However, in regards to blood, which is not going to be digested, doesn't need to be changed, like the meat. So when the person is eating the blood, which as we said, the blood is the nefesh of the animal, so then the nature of the animal, of the person's soul, of the, of the animal soul, and the person's soul is becoming much more connected. In other words, the person's soul itself is becoming like on the level of the animal. So what we understand from this is that those people that were steeped in blood, so the Midois, the character traits of their Nefesh Bahamis is very identical and similar to the soul of the animal. Says the Rebbe, these are the two different explanations that Rashi is telling us. First, Rashi is speaking about, in the first opinion, that they were steeped in blood. And therefore, we need to be told, Chazak, this is the warning about strengthening ourselves and fixing and, and uplifting our natural midos, the midos of the Nefesh Bahamas. And who is the one that says this? Rabbi Yehuda. What does Rabbi Yehuda represent? The word Yehuda is from the word, Hapam Oides Hashem. Leo said this time, I'm going to thank Hashem. But Chassidus explains the word oide doesn't only mean thank, but it's also an expression of submission, of admission, of bitul. In other words, when a person is at this level, the avoide is mainly about dealing with its very, very lowest levels. This is the avoide of iskafia, the avoide where he needs to subdue and break his midos. He still has a connection to his natural midos of the Nefesh Bahamas. He needs to elevate them. He needs to transform them. This is the level where the person was, so to speak, involved with blood. He became very similar to that behemoth. But then we come to Reb Shimon ben Azai. What was the avoid of Reb Shimon ben Azai? His avoid was in a way of Rotsi. His avoid, Rebbe doesn't go into it right over here, but we know that Reb Shimon ben Azai was one of those people that passed away from the four people that went into the Pardes while learning very deep in Yonim of uh, Kabbalah, etc. His neshama left his body. Reb Shimon ben Azai was the one they didn't want to get married because what? He says, Nafshei Choshka Betoyda, the Rebbe brings over here. His whole desire was just to go higher and higher. And therefore, in all matters of Toyda and Mitzvahs, that's his attitude. That was what? Rashi's second explanation. It's about running, strengthening yourself, extra enthusiasm in every aspect of Toyda and Mitzvahs. And this is what he says, that all the Toyda is coming to tell you is how much you need to strengthen yourself in all Mitzvahs. That means the Toyda is not dealing with the blood Per se, by itself, the blood is not coming to teach you, the Torah is not coming to teach you about dealing with your actual elevation of your natural midas of the Nefesh Abahamis. Rather, it's coming to deal with, to elevate you to higher levels, strengthening yourself in mitzvahs. Furthermore, the idea of Lazhircha, which is the expression used over here to warn you about mitzvahs, to caution you that the word Lazhircha is also from the word of Zoyar, which means light. That means a person needs to strengthen himself and elevate himself and to illuminate his nefesh with the light of Hashem and the union of mitzvahs. And what he says is that if in something that's very, very easy to stay away from, something that you don't have a taiva for, and yet we need to be strengthened in this area, that means 
If even in an area where we don't have a taiva, a temptation because of our natural midas of our nefesh abahamis, and things that we may even be separated from because of our natural midas, and yet we need to be so careful about and illuminate, as we said before, that here too you have to bring in the oireliki, the godly light, and, and lift it up and go higher and higher. Remove yourself from all of your midas, how much more so regarding other mitzvahs, Things that you in other areas, in things that you may have a tie before, so how much more so that you need to strengthen yourself and elevate yourself and completely remove yourself from them and illuminate them with a godly light.